Hey, how are you doing? This is Joey Nutolo with The Space Between. I'm here with Yolaine Stout, founder of Assist, and Dr. Sudegi, the founder of The Beehive of Healing, mm -hmm. correct? That's and right. my co-host and partner, <laughs> King Sinkire. How's it going, audience? How's it going? You guys are going to love this show. Yeah. We've got some treats for you here. <laughs> sure. We just, uh, before the show, well, actually, as part of the show, we... Uh, waiting for Dr. Sudegi. We he was led into the middle of the Santa Monica Mountains somewhere, <laughs> and we just got him out. Yeah, we, we should tell the audience uh, when you're coming here to this studio. If if um, sometimes the GPS system will put in the wrong direction, it'll actually have you end up in the middle of the mountains. And mm. Fortunately, <laughs> that is exactly what it did with Dr. Habib. It put us in the middle of the mountain and um, his, his car ended up getting stuck in this mud. And I tell you what, people. Like, if you want to see the camera, like, check this out. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> <laughs> and Do Dr. Habib looks the same. We all look no. the same. So if you see this mud. Thank God the camera is not capturing. <laughs> <laughs> no, the trip was, we were pulling up because we are like, there's no way he got stuck here. So in the meanwhile, in my head, I'm just thinking, like, what do we say? Like, as we're getting deeper and deeper, as it looks how bad it is, I'm like, there's no way he's stuck here. It's like three miles into yeah. it. This like bird three. flies up to the window, like, flying with it. Look at that bird. It's so rad. I'm like, what is that? What is that? David, what kind of bird is that? It was a hawk, right? right? The hawk flies inside. I was like, oh, he's probably going to take us to Dr. Sudegi, right? <laughs> he did say that. I said, so I said that. He goes, oh, it's probably his spirit bird, mm -hmm. bird animal. So I didn't even think about it. When we saw him, I was like, hey, I just said, what's your, what's your spirit on this? It's a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, yeah. Oh, no, no accidents in the universe. No, there. the hawk no. let us there. And he still came here, and you waited here for two hours. Yes. And... Thank you so much, you guys, for just coming here under these circumstances. And uh, Dr. Sadegi had probably about 200 people waiting for him and uh, patients. Um, so thank you for coming here and taking my time to do this. This is amazing. Thank you. And I just want to say the, one of the most uh, just amazing things is we talk about being in the practice and, and applying the principles and the tools that you know that we have and that we've that we've been given and typically when you show up to something like what we showed up to dr habib was literally in the middle of nowhere and it was so it's so easy to have gotten stuck that way because the fog was just overwhelming and you couldn't tell that the mud was so wet and uh, he's in a nice car. He wasn't like in nice a car. Nice car. He's in a nice car and a nice suit. And unfortunately, because the, the further down you get, it was dry when you start off. But once you get to the middle, once you're already in the middle of it, all of a sudden you realize it's kind of like the quicksand. You're in the mud and water. and You, you couldn't go any further. He was stuck there. And he had been there for a while by the time we got there. And as we approached... <laughs> The most amazing, beautiful thing was Dr. Habib was standing there with the biggest smile on his right? face and laughing. He, he was laughing. He wasn't upset. And don't get me wrong, you know, this is a pretty nice car to get stuck in the mud, you know. And, and so many people would have just been upset or frustrated even. And, and, you know, it's human nature to feel those things. And I'm sure he probably felt that at some point. But just the fact that 
you probably experienced that in that moment and then just shifted into, okay, it is what it is. We are here. Mm. Let's, let's, and we actually have fun. We end up <laughs> having no, fun no. in the mud. And I just want to thank you for being in the practice and we'll definitely touch more on that. But thank you so much for being in the practice because we actually were kind of like, oh my God, I hope he's not upset. Oh my God. <laughs> I, you know what? When I met you, that's really kind of where I was at. Right. Right? Because right. I was, I was turned on to Dr. Habib by Guru Singh yeah. and I was out of a couple of mental institutions and, and they really didn't know what was going on with me, but I was in between here and there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely um, really interesting that how that just went down because that's pretty much how I felt when I met you, tell you the truth, you know? Yeah. Um, and how I met Dr. Habib was Dr. Uh, Guru Singh. I went there and he goes, you got to go see this doctor because my, my ex really felt that I was schizophrenic and I'd been picking up on energy. Um, mm -hmm. And we went to Dr. Habib's office, and when I got there, you know, I was like, I'd already been looking at people that look in my eyes, and they say they know it was wrong, but they were completely off. So I was a little bit still. I was manic, tripping. I was a little mm -hmm. off. But I remember when I started talking to you, I was like, and you looked at me, and I stopped. And it, it was the most calm. It was your eyes. Mm -hmm. And it was so calming, and it was the first time Except when I was Guru Singh, I felt safe too, mm -hmm. because it was the first time that people felt like they were actually talking to, like, I could look in their eyes, I knew they were trying to help me, mm -hmm. versus trying to, like, um, I don't know, like, when you're told you're crazy, or that you have something wrong with your mind, but it doesn't feel that way, because you feel so, something special was happening, it was hard to really start to understand and know who to trust, is kind of what it comes down to, so, um, my, my, uh, the way I met you was really, really amazing, and and I thank you too for that because it did uh, give us some a bridge into giving my family a little more understanding of what was happening to me yes. at the time. We didn't get <laughs> we stay together. It's a whole nother. That's a, that's the next podcast. And we're definitely well. We're definitely going to dive into yeah, that. absolutely, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely dive into it and dive into mental illness, spirituality, and 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 how those lines are so blurred. Addiction, the spirituality, of mental illness. Yeah, like, you know, there's so many people that when I, when I ended up in there, I ended, it was a, a, a day before Thanksgiving, so my whole family was there. And I ended up there because I went willingly and I wanted them to help me. So I thought that, oh, if I go like this, they're going to kind of help me. And then, you know, they, they pin you down to do these things. But, you know, being in, in the system and, and looking at it was a great, it, you know, before I used to complain about it, but it was really a great experience for me to kind of, see that go through it um because it helped me understand really what was actually happening like really with me and if i hadn't been in that mental institution i wouldn't really understood what was happening to other people right. you know this this, this this i feel like this whole experience that we're in is about spirituality we're all spiritual beings right having a human experience like when people go to me they go hey, are you spiritual i kind of giggle like what you're not <laughs> <laughs> How does that, I don't, you know, so I, because I used to say that to people because I would only talk to spiritual people in the beginning. Are you conscious? Because I didn't know what that actually meant when this happened to me. But yeah, you know, because spirituality and, and the understanding of it and is, is uh, so important for people to express themselves and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm just kind of reeling from this whole. Yeah. And, and we are definitely going to dive into that because 
one of the points that we, we did want to talk to you both about, and I can't wait to introduce you really quickly, uh, one of the points we wanted to talk about was, you know, today so many people are misdiagnosed with being uh, mentally ill or, mm -hmm. or, or schizophrenic or bipolar, and so often what's truly happening is they're having a spiritual awakening you know, and we, we really want to dive into that with you both in, in, in a few moments. But before we do, I wanted to say something to you because Joey is always talking about Yelena. And it, it, it's so much to the degree Yelena and, and, and the, your, your program assist. And he's always talking about me, about you so much in this program, so much that I actually thought you guys are friends. And... I learned today. You guys just met each other today. Today's the first time. We're friends, but yeah, we, we met. Uh, we met. We met through her colleague Liz, and I, I just happened to wake up at eleven o'clock one night, get to my computer, and it it came on my screen. But it was the other when we spoke about this. It led me to assist, but it started out with um, with Stan Groff's uh, nonprofit, Spiritual, Spiritual Emergent Network. Yeah. But on Spiritual Emergent Network. There's like all these doctors, no phone numbers anywhere. And I couldn't get anyone to call me back. Mm. So finally I said, well, maybe I'll just call back and say I'm having an episode and I'll get a call. So I did that and then I started getting calls and that's what led me to assist. I finally got to assist. And when I'd seen this, it, it, having some, something like this out there, accessible that understood, like I'd never, I, they, I was talking, they were understanding what I'm saying. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> does anyone else know that this exists? And, and from that, that's where it led to having that panel discussion where I had Dr. Habib come and speak, um, Clyde Terry from, from Clyde your Terry. program, um, Power Leaders came in and, and spoke, and Michael Beckwith. Yeah, Michael Beckwith was there, uh, and Liz from, from Assist. So it really, that's, so anyways, Liz was there, she was not, but we spoke a lot, and she's here, and we're happy to have her. Can you tell us a little bit about Assist? Can you tell our audience about yeah. Assist? Yeah, sure. So, so this stands for the American Center for the Integration of Spiritually Transformative Experiences. And we formed because um, there we, I, I was past president of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Mm. And we would get people who were in distress over their experiences, people calling them crazy, people dealing, not being able to talk about it, uh, and there wasn't much that that organization could do for them. We recognized that there's a tremendous need out there, not just for people who had near-death experiences, but for people who had similar experiences and concurrent experiences. So, so we, we, we call those like concurrent experiences when you have one foot in one world and mm -hmm. one foot in the other. So you have a spiritual experience at the same time you're having an earthly experience. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a concurrent and, and so, you know, on deathbed, people mm -hmm. who are dying also have a foot in both worlds mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. and, and if we dismiss them as uh, schizophrenic or psychopathologize them, we're missing out on the incredible gift mm -hmm. that the spiritual experience brings to that person. So there are gifts in it. And, and so we recognize this need because it's more common than people realize so we, the research we did, between 35 and 40% of the population mm -hmm. have had some kind of spiritual experience, mm -hmm. yours, mm -hmm. mine, whatever, mm -hmm. that changed their lives. 
Now, people, the, the spiritual experiences could be like maybe hearing your dead father's voice or something, but not necessarily transformative, right? right? These are experiences that change your life, that had a profound impact. So when it has a profound impact, it happened to you and you go, what just happened or what is going on now? Who do you talk to? Right. Who do you call about this? That's a first question. First, what is it? What's going on? And then there's a what we discovered in our research is an integration period of balancing those two worlds. Because you're not going to dismiss it with psychopathology. You're dismissing spiritual experiences, right? Um, with integration, you're acknowledging the importance of it. The, Balancing the spiritual with the earth, rather than choosing one over the other, mm. right? So, so there's an integration period of which people go through different challenges along the way. A big one, finding your purpose, <laughs> right? That's yes. huge. And and uh, so many of those integration periods. So, so the goals of integration are what anybody would want. You know, feeling peace, feeling connected feeling a sense of purpose. Um, so we feel our, our purpose as an organization is to train professionals, mental health professionals, life coaches, spiritual guidance counselors, and mentors, as well as well peer group facilitators as well, right. on how all levels of support, how to work with experience, what to do, what not to do, recognizing the challenges, and what are the skills and, and tools to bring to get them through that integration? Mm. So our personal motivation is, if we can help people reach these integration, but they self-define. I mean, we're not going to define and say, oh, you're successfully integrated. No, it, it's an individual path. Um, the, if we can help people with their transformative experiences, then we'll help transform the world. Mm. Yes. Because yes. why are these experiences happening? More and more. To, more, more and more. And more. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That, that one of the things was to talk to Dr. Rabib about. The number one thing I, I tripped on is I went back to my experience, because it was my experience. I can only go to that one. It's like going to the hospital, telling them, and then someone looks at you and you're like, what does it do? What are you going through? And I was loose. I was looking at them. You know, obviously my family was saying something else, but I was telling them exactly what I was feeling, yeah. looking in the eye because I wanted to be helped, right? Right. They, when you're talking about something else that they, it's, because it's energy-based, I just don't even think, it's like something off their radar. So they pretended like they were listening to me, but they weren't. Yeah. And then right after that, I was like, so where am I going? I had this big <laughs> smile. And then they're like, oh, we're going to put you over here. And then I ended up in a mental institution. So from the hospital there, and I was kind of, at that point, like, and they were like, just a three-day hold. Da, da, da. You know, they're talking, you know, into this, but as it's getting deeper and deeper, and you're seeing this, you're like, wait a second. Like, this is, this is not where I wanted to be. And it was Thanksgiving, <laughs> my whole family's house. But on that, you start to see all these other people, and you go, wait a minute. All these people are having the same type of experiences, and they're all being misdiagnosed. And Com then medicated. Completely. Yeah. Numbed up. Right? Yeah. And so if you feel like, so my whole life, when I saw what you did, I was like, wait a minute. We have to make it so that if people go to a hospital and they're having a spiritually, a, a spiritually transformative experience, an STI, mm -hmm. right? Or 
Yeah. S-E-E. R-C, sorry, sorry. S-E-E. C-E. Yeah. That they would recognize that, you know, and not say you're schizophrenic or bipolar or, you know, like one of the things in the very beginning, I did feel a little suicidal because I felt so confused um, that I did. I went home and I told my, my ex-wife now, I told her, I said, I think I'm going to drive my truck off the cliff. And I told her, and I looked at her, and I, I did. I had tears coming down my eyes because I was, I was totally confused, totally confused. And I could see how you would when you have all of this, these different um, information mm-hmm. and other information that's coming that didn't come before or that I just started acknowledging or just turned on. It was like a, an umbilical cord attached to the earth that's like turned on, mm. right? Yeah. And, and as soon as it did, I remember my mom goes like, what do you think happened to you? My mom looking at me because everybody's trying to figure it out. And I was like, I don't know, mom. I think I became part of the planet, you know? Mm. So I, I, I do feel that those experiences are our union with God. And, and they're so very important to, to be able to have those experiences. They're our human right to be able to have it. And that's the really, I think, why your, your nonprofit is so important. And I feel that what you guys are doing could really help, you know, in, in training physicians and therapists on the difference between a psychosis and a spiritually transformative experience because they are different. So can you tell your experience? I know that uh, there was the point, like, before you began your journey that that's how you came about it because you were suicidal was that like back in 82 or something like that yeah yeah can you tell us about it thank you yeah um yeah i was extremely depressed um Mm. i was in a very bad marriage abusive emotionally abusive marriage and i was an atheist i didn't believe in any of this stuff you know at all i don't believe in God light and it was all there. Can't see it, it doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> I was I was kind of very cynical and stubborn and I did I just did there were uh, it's a long story of how I became an atheist, but I did. And then I became suicidal after I was already depressed, but I became suicidal at the point where I was told I couldn't have children. Mm. That wasn't that was my the last piece piece of my happy picture. Mm that I had in my mind was being married with a husband who loved me, mm. you know, having people in my life who love me, you know, my students are going to love me, everybody's going to love me. <laughs> you know? I was just so needy. I was just like, oh, give me the love, give me the love, give me the love. And none of that was happening. And then kids are going to love me, right? My own kids. Well, then I was told I'm infertile. I can't, I can't have kids. Well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I saw no purpose mm-hmm. in my life. Right. You know, and I think that's the biggest spiritual mm-hmm. question we can ask ourselves. That that existential question, why are we here? Or I'm not here for any reason. I have no value. I have no purpose in life. And so that propelled me into suicide, believing that I had mm. no purpose. And I, so I, it's a long story how I went about doing it. Uh, that in, but uh, what happened was, all of a sudden, my room lit up like a, like a thousand floodlights. Mm. It was at night at home. 
uh, in Austria. The lights went on, and I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm like in another dimension. Now, I'm very nearsighted, but I could see everything clearly like I'd never seen before. I, mm. it, all my life I'd been nearsighted. I need these glasses to see. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, I don't need my glasses. I can see everything is super clear, super, super clear. And I thought, oh my God. I wasn't thinking spiritual or anything afterlife. I was just thinking more like I'm in. I just walked into another dimension here. Right. People right. gotta know about this. Right, this is right. really cool. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta find evidence <laughs> and bring it back. You it's know. It's so funny you say that because right, right when they said it, I was like, does everyone know about this? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because yeah. I it was like, how come no one told? Didn't tell me that I really felt like everyone's mm. got to know because you felt like you found something that like. I remember saying it. I remember saying it. Yeah, I went, I went from being extremely depressed to very now excited yeah. about this other dimension, this reality. I mean, the depression just went boom, boom. And, and uh, I went to go move to, I don't know what, to, what evidence can I bring back about this? How do I get, I was, uh, I looked out the window, the sky was blue. Anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I turn to my side and I see these white robes standing next to my bed. And I was, uh, no wait, I'm sorry, I'm back, back up. So I went to go move and another, the light came in. Mm. And it just encompassed and embraced everything. And this light was so full of love. Mm. A love, here I had been seeking love all yeah. my life, but yeah. this love, ineffable mm -hmm. filled me up and warmed my soul every molecule in my whole being mm -hmm. just glowed with it and I just kind of relaxed into it and I said this is love mm -hmm. this is love mm -hmm. this is like the real deal love you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is home yeah and I couldn't see anything it was all light there was nothing concrete to see, I felt home. Yeah. This was home. This is what is, I, I didn't want to leave. I thought, I just, pure, pure bliss. I don't want to leave this. And then it slowly went away, and I'm back in my room, still lit up, and I'm in this state of awe. Kind of like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn to my side, and there's these, there's a man standing next to me with white robes. And I look, I look up, and, and that, was, that was Jesus looking, looking at me. Wow. And he had blue eyes. Uh -huh. He had blue eyes. And I, I'm conscious of, when I say that, how crazy that sounds. How absolutely crazy or, you know, out there. But it was. I'm not yeah. going to lie. That's, that's what happened. And he's looking at me with a sense of, not compassion, but more like just this another more kind of mercy, love. Mm -hmm. And mm. kind of like, now, now. We're good. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of look. And he said, without moving his lips, and I heard it, you know, Clear as a bell in his voice. Don't waste your life thinking you're not loved. Mm. 
And when he said the word, your life, it, I felt how precious not just my life was, mm -hmm. but how precious everyone's life was. Mm -hmm. All of life, mm -hmm. every living thing, every, all of life, everybody. And that answered my question about why I became an atheist. Mm -hmm. Because religion divided people. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this love was for everyone. Yeah. So that answered that. And the don't waste your life thinking you're not loved. It caused me to really, after, you know, it went and I was out of my body and I went back in my body and my life was reeling. It was inside out, upside down, upside down. Everything I had ever thought about what life was about, what I'm about. Changed. Flipped on its head. Flipped. Mm. Upside down, upside down. Yeah. So don't waste your life. And I had some kind of purpose, right? So everybody's life has a purpose. Don't, it meant um, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm not yeah. a victim mm -hmm. to all those circumstances yeah. out there. I am responsible for my own. Right. So I had to think about that. Right. What were the thoughts that made me a victim? What were the thoughts and I'm blaming and shaming and all of that, when, mm. you know, finding fault and all this, none of that. I'm responsible. I am responsible for my own happiness. And then I even thought there's meaning behind the word, don't waste your life thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's about doing, who are you? Loving who you are, mm. unconditionally. Warts and all. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. We love ourselves and you know, blame and shame and all that. Love ourselves and give ourselves out of love for love in service mm -hmm. to others with the gifts, the gifts of love that we have. Yeah. So that was, I, that was my. You know, I know you can't tell them shortly, like you said. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And we don't want to tell any short stories here. We like, <laughs> we like, we like it all. We like, we like all the colors. So feel free to tell the whole story. I, I, I feel it's really interesting. And uh, it, 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 some of the things you were saying really resonates with me. And it pulls in to some of the things Dr. Habib was talking about. You know, the world and society's programming makes us think that we are not enough. And everything that we need is externally. Is, is outside, so we're always reaching and we're always feeling like we're not enough or we don't have enough, so we're constantly trying to find something outside of ourselves. But the flip side of that is that it's always, we, we will also do the opposite and say everything is our fault. Yes. Everything is our fault, right. you know? Everything is our fault. Instead of saying, well, you know, it, it's, when, when I was going through my transformation, I really, really resonated with a lot of the things Dr. Habib talks about in trauma. And I think some people think trauma has to be something big, a molestation or a beating or something like that. And sometimes trauma is something that's said to you, not even in anger, that, that will stunt your growth. And because we, we personalize it and then we end up trying to live and, and we end up owning that negative thing and, and, and that becomes us. That becomes us. And I think it's uh, I, I, 
I, I think I related to what you were saying about how, you know, you're looking for, if I'm a mom, you know, I'm not good at this, I'm not good mm -hmm. at that, I'm not this, and now, wow, now I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a mom because everything has, my happiness depends on everything outside of here. And somewhere, someone told you, or you, you, you got the misunderstanding that being a mom is what makes you happy, that will give you, you know, the life that you want, or having the perfect husband, a perfect right. wife or spouse. And so we're constantly doing this search, searching outside of us. But I think it all starts with like things that happen to us when we're young, like that the, the trauma that we just don't process correctly. Can you talk to us about that, Dr. B? Yeah, I, I think um, Joey did really, but I'll try. <clears throat> you know, I think um, the fullness of the way that it occurred today, right? Here I am. And and you know, and you get your smartphone and, and you you have the address. You've a, you've asked the address twice. Ah. And and you put it into the, your GPS or whatever um, the positional system that you're using and you're coming down that it says you gotta you gotta make a left. And you're looking at the road and the road is really thin and it's taking you in the middle of nowhere. But you said, well, you know, it's an asphalt road. Okay, I'll, I'll trust it. I'll, I'll, I'll go along. Mm. And, you know, and you're going through life, right? And, um, and by now, you're like, okay, this is great. And then before you know it, there is the fog of life. Uh. Where that level of predictability that you've had, it stops. But by the time that you realize it, you're like, okay, I'm going to back up. You back up, but there's mud and you're stuck. <laughs> you have absolutely no traction. See, we take that for granted. You know, it's very easy for us to take it for granted. But the reason that we can actually sit here and communicate and make sound and noises is because the brain knows exactly what this means and it gives it a meaning. So you can nod, and you can laugh, and you can connect. We have that. Now, that's called traction. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, if I start speaking Farsi, I'm going to bul bul, but I'm going to You know, it's like there is no traction. You're sitting there, and yes, it's a sophisticated car. Yes, you relied on the car, and you thought that it would pull you through Thin and thick, mudslide or whatever. But all of a sudden you're stuck. And you're in the middle of nowhere. And now the more you try, the more that you're sliding down. And mm. then you come out and you look and you see that you're right there mm. by the cliff. The edge of life. Mm -hmm. And you look around, there's absolutely no one to help you. And then, you, you know, you still, you're like, well, okay, maybe I can call someone. And you look down, and there's absolutely no reception. There's no connection. Right? So, and then you become an atheist. <laughs> right. Um, which is, you know, that by itself, um, I, I think really, it, I, I don't blame people. Right. You need to have a visceral experience. Right. I have so much respect for people that they start and they say, I don't believe it, which is fantastic. Look, instead of me cooking anything for you and you eating it and trusting it, you actually learn how to cook that experience and you have a visceral experience for yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, let me come back to this because I think 
And the reason that I'm committed and the reason I'm here, aside from the level of respect that I have for you, Joey, Thank and you so what much. you've gone through, and I think it, what you've gone through was intentional because you're a very powerful being and you have the financial resources and the connection that you, that you obviously are creating a different conversation. I think that's why intentionally you were set up to be stuck in the middle of Santa Monica <laughs> Mountain, yeah. right? And you know, and you chose to complete your relationship with your uh, your previous um, partner, and and to be able to move forward and to be able to create the language, the traction, and try to understand what what was that experience? Because most times. When, when you have an experience, let, let me tell you, I mean, I, I didn't see Jesus with blue eyes, but I'm second year medical school, and I, I'm coming home, and it's two o'clock in the morning, and I'm half asleep, and I hear, check your, check your t left testicle. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, what Was in your supposed? car? No, I was on I'm, my bed. I'm kidding. You know, <laughs> it could have been my car. And, and, and I check, and to, you know, fast forward, that saved my life. Right. You and listened to your but I, no, I literally heard someone say, "Check yourself." Right, right, and, right. And it, you know, this was the time where Scott Hamilton nearly died yeah, from yeah. testicular cancer. Uh, Lance Armstrong, it spread to his brain. They removed part of his brain. It spread right. to his lung. He had a partial pneumonectomy. They removed part of his lungs. So, I, and to this day, I don't really know where this voice came from. So. I, you know, it turned out to be testicular cancer, stage two with, you know, meds and everything. And it really set me up. It set up the trajectory of who I've become, you know, who I am, what I practice, you know. But what it took was that it took that. It took cancer for me to be able to really maybe laugh right. in the middle of Santa Monica Mountain where, <laughs> you know, you're... You know, model S five fifty Mercedes <laughs> stuff in in the mud, put it, uh, and you can't. In the mud. You really don't know what to do, and you're calling your tow truck company, and they say, well, you know, this is more than hundred feet. You need recovery. We can't help you. <laughs> right? It's. I, I'm telling you, it's just fantastic, and and you, you know, and you continuously, you just keep listen. I'm like. It's not, I'm not going to show up. I can't make the podcast, right? But they call you. You take their call because, oh, the call is coming in now because you start moving around to get reception. And you say, look, I'm here. Your, your house is in the middle. I should have gone through PCH and come up, but the, you know, my GPS, it took me right out here and I was supposed to come down and I got stuck because this is a fire road. Right, right, right. And there are a lot of fire roads that every human being will go through. Right, right, right. I mean, there are people out there watching this that they're right, they're right stuck right yeah. now. Yeah. And people are giving them a medical diagnosis and what they're telling them is, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Stop being a pain in the ass. Yeah. We don't really know how to deal with you. And, you know, we're going to medicate you mm. until you die. That's what it means right. to be stuck. Right. And then, and, and, but you keep trying. You keep trying and, you know, ex-Marine shows up. Right. <laughs> and they try to push the car. We call it former Marine. That. We call former, it former, former Marine. Sorry. Former <laughs> Marine. But, but you stay with them. Right. And even the, the assist, the, the big 
tow truck company that comes in, they looks at it and says, you know, yeah, I don't know really if I have all, I mean, it's just really amazing. <laughs> I don't know if I have all the resources to really help right, you. Right, right. They're right there and there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having, um, having a particular experience and you want someone to help you and they say, you know, I don't know if I can really help you. But, but if you try to move more enthusiasm and it says, oh, please, oh, you listen, I don't leave. I mean, it's raining. The fog is coming. You can't. You got to do something. The more excited you get, the more that they say, well, this guy's crazy. I got to get out of here. Right. Instead of saying, look, Raul, listen, man. Raul was the tow truck driver. The tow truck driver. <laughs> like, Raul, look, do the best you can. I'm going to take care of you. Yes. And please, right now, you've got all, all I've got is you, right? <laughs> Let me tell you something. You weren't there, but I've never seen <laughs> any human being pull out as many chains that they weren't yes. supposed to have <laughs> right, from their tow truck. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. He, you know, he said, oh, you got ropes. I think we can use the ropes. We didn't need to use our ropes. Yes. I'm right. telling you, if this thing was 200 feet, this dude could easily <laughs> yeah. recover. Yeah. You know, and, and I was really impressed. You know, I, I don't think I've ever tipped any $100 in my life. <laughs> and I did it gladly when I gave him, you know, because he gave his 100%. Yes. And I allowed him. Yes. We didn't push him. You empowered him yeah. to... to, to have hope you you have that space for him right. because he wanted to but even his the the limitations of the job right told him that it well it, that's not possible right there but you you we can all see that he wanted to but that limitation that society says says oh you're not able to do that so he started to flow with that but the moment you empowered him and said you know what i believe in you i i, I think you can if you yeah. if you you know, you can try your best. Just try your best. That's space in between. Mm -hmm. That's this space between. Yeah. That's what they do. So that's why when, you know, with Liz, when we were on the panel, right. and when we communicated that there is such a thing, I'm like, my God, hallelujah. Yeah. Because can you imagine that there is a spaciousness that instead of rushing into a judgment, because look, I'm a medical doctor. It's so easy to medicalize someone. Mm. Right, which is based on DSM. Right, it's based on a statistical analysis. It's based on right now. We can sit around. Right, listen. If you go down to DSM, you know three homosexuality, and there were various different things that were considered a mental illness. Yes, right. but yes. right now we know how, how how stupid that is. Right. So people sit around just like we do, and we come up with medical diagnosis. So what we're talking about and what you're creating, really, is the evolution for, for this aspect of medicine. And it has nothing to do with mental illness. Because I'm here to tell you, every human being is born with a mental illness. It's called a soul curriculum. <laughs> Sooner or later, we all gonna, you know, we might, society says, you gotta, you gotta have a baby. Wow, if you're not a baby, yes. you're not a mother. You can't be a mother. Oh, man, you better be dead. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't. You're not a woman. If you're not you're married not by 30. Right? It's like, wow. You, Gosh, well, let me get this straight. So you've written a couple of books, and you write profusely, and you, didn't, you couldn't really find the map 
to get to my house. <laughs> These were the thoughts that were going in my head. I'm like, my God, well, how, how did I end up here? But then I work my process. Mm -hmm. The first thing I do is I cancel my entire, the remainder of my day. Why? Because I didn't want to put pressure on myself. Mm. That's the spaciousness. Mm. The space between the, 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 these three words, the most important thing is space. How, and we don't have, I, I've been with people that they're going through, I, I was there, you know, with all due respect, yeah. right? And, you know, and, and part of the process from a place of humility, perhaps what I contributed to your journey, and, and, and I could have done more, but given the givens at the time, I did what I could, and which I thought was crucial. And that was to create space for you and to recontextualize what it was that you were going through. And I think that gave you some breathing room, that here is a person with a white coat and a lot of alphabet after their names, Lots. that they can understand that. And they can, you know, so he gave you this space. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of times that most people, they'll get stuck right there in the mud of mm -hmm. life. Yes. yes. But they don't have, they don't have assist. Mm -hmm. They don't have anyone to call that they're not going to judge them that they'll say, listen, be calm with what we've got, right? That they're not going to be open enough to say, wow, look at that hawk. Or, if I, you know, something, the vase I heard got caught on fire. Or <laughs> something. Like, yeah. you realize that, wait a minute, this is out of character for him. Let me call again, because we had a missed call. Because if you hadn't called, or if some, whoever called me, if, they, if you hadn't called, I didn't know that I had reception, I would have not contacted you. If you had not been there... The tow truck could have not find his right. way to us. Yeah, because he couldn't find his way. We almost were going to start rolling. We didn't know because you. I didn't want to say it to her. So they, I went. I looked at the phone because they said I'm not going to make it. And I was like, oh, and they all looked at me. What? And I go, oh, nothing. Then it was you saying I'm not going to make it. So then I was trying to think in my head, like real quick, without like I didn't know what to say. And then I looked at David. I'm like, Doctor Habib isn't going to make it. And so we were trying to figure out. And I'm like, maybe you call him. So I said, call his office. Then he tried there, but we were like walking around. My phone was in reception, and then she said, "I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere." That's where I'm at. I, I, I think it's very telling. You, you were saying, you know, we, we all saw the road. Well, you all didn't see it. We'll, we'll post the pictures. We'll post the sure. picture up if that's okay with the yeah. But but it's so funny because we have come. It's, and it goes back to relying on everything outside of us. But even going down that road, because, you know, you, you wrapped around this road and then you come to this road. And I know there was a part of you that said, mm, God, I, I, this can't be the road. And that is our natural, intuitive innateness that we are given by, by, by God, the universe, yeah. you know. And I think sometimes when we're a lot younger... We don't, we, it's much easier for us to listen to it because we haven't been drowned out by everything else yet. We haven't been, yes. you know, everything else, the other voices aren't speaking louder than our own voice, our own knowingness. Mm -hmm. And I've been in situations before where it says like, hey, I said, uh, don't go down that road, you know, <laughs> that, don't go down that road. And everything else goes, uh, well, you know, the GPS says, Hey, no, you're supposed to go down that road because I'm not listening 
to my God voice now, right. that, that I'm not listening to God whispering to me, to the universe, you know, that, that, that connection that I have. Mm-hmm. So I count on something outside of myself. Yes. And almost, you know, often, not every time, but often when I have not been confident because we're not taught to be confident in that voice, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I listen to the GPS, I get lost. Sometimes the GPS gets us there. But sometimes, you know, the spirit tells us to do something else. And because we're so used to not being able to have faith in ourselves, that we're not worthy. We fall short, so we have to depend depend on everything else. We end up getting stuck in the mud. And that's not why you got stuck in the mud, necessarily. And and look at the intelligence. And look Mm, at the intelligence. Even when you fail, it's an opportunity to win. Yes. Yes. Look at the... I mean, is it okay if I speak freely? Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. please, Imagine please. I'm standing there in the middle of nowhere, right? And this is our second time meeting. And they go to get Raul, our favorite Dr. tow Raul. truck driver. Yes, yes. And, and I'm having a moment, and he's telling me his life story. And I'm standing there, I'm going, okay, this is really the reason that I'm here. <laughs> and I'm serious. Can I do a reach over? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, honestly, this is really the reason, okay? That you're, you're standing with someone that is physically had certain level of prowess and they're telling you that they've had certain experiences and you're like, wow, look at that. Look at that. See, did you feel safe when he told you? <laughs> it's just the fact that he, look, one of the first thing the guy, I mean, I'm I'm not puny. I mean, I have my own coat. The guy comes in and takes out his, you know, he had a very thick coat, which was very protective. He takes out his coat and he says, No, 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 wear this. That's that's because you were standing in the rain. Yeah, yeah but I this is where, no, but look at the level of generosity. Look at the level of generosity. See, part of the process, safety comes not from what I see in front of my eyes. And I would love for you to speak to that. Mm. Safety comes from what gets developed and seen behind the eyes. Mm. And that the idea is that life has an intelligence. Mm. And we are part of that life. So was it really stupid for me to end up on a fire road tiny in somewhere in Malibu and get stuck and you know maybe yes and I'm glad I did it because the connection that I have developed mm-hmm. with three other human beings that they realize that the love and compassion that they have for me mm-hmm. is far more than not getting muds on their shoes or their pants mm-hmm. in yeah. this day yeah. and age yeah. That's what it's required. Right. And right. that's, right? Yeah, this, this wow. is um, when you said talk wow. about the road of life and sticking on the cliff of life. Right. I was thinking, yes, that this is when you've had your foot in both worlds, right. or in and out, or at the same time. The fog you, comes in and separates you. That's right. You know, <laughs> what you, you see, you that. can't see. You know, but it all happens for a reason, just like, you know, everybody has a purpose and we're, we're precious that reality that part of the world is to experience to many experiences more real than reality right mm. so life is the dream yes 
And what happens in the dream, everything that happens, happens for a purpose. Yes. And happens for a reason, especially the bizarre things like this. You know, these are the roads of life. This is the fog of life. Yes. This is your car, your, your external engine, your motor going yes. somewhere, you know. Yes. And you, you, you might interpret what more into that meaning if, it, if life is a dream, these especially. And I have to mention that while you were gone, we were in a deep discussion about life as a dream and, and, and the illusions and not everything going on, these synchronicities and yes. these dreamlike experiences. You were sending smoke signals. Yes. The plant caught on fire. The orchid. <laughs> Did it right? Yeah. Caught on fire. Yeah. It was smoking. You saw the smoke. Yes. That is the line of energy. Yeah. That's what assist is. That it's not that me intentionally sending a hawk right. or me intentionally setting something on fire, but me melting mm. into the intelligence of life. Mm. That yeah. life will create what's needed so that we can come together and a newness is being born, yes. which is this. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. It, 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 yeah. You said something so, so amazing. It made all of us feel better. But you said when we were out there and we were like, oh, we we're kind of apologizing, like, oh, sorry, you know, and sorry we didn't get to the show. And Dr. Abib goes, no, this is the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly True. the point. That is exactly the point. That is the, see, it's very easy to judge him and, and to stay away from him. It's very easy. Very easy. Be, because he wouldn't fit in a normal interpretation of what's normal. Right. It, it's not, it's very easy to judge. Yes. It is very easy. It, the the, the iron, irony behind that is that by ignoring, by categorizing, by that, the spiritual experiences contain the answer yes. to mental illness. Yes. Look at the rates of depression in our society, the addictions, yes. the mental illness, and all of that. But what the, the spiritual experiences provide us the answers to Absolutely. so much of that. And if we box yes. it away and ignore it, what's really sick here? Let me speak to that. Yeah. And this is my first time that I've had the privilege of meeting you. Yeah, but I'll speak to that. If you don't, if you agree or disagree, or if you want to add to it, you're completely, I'm completely on board. The way that I look at um, my, ex my experience is that there is a physical world. Mm -hmm. And then there is a metaphysical world. And then there is the consciousness. In anthroposophical medicine, um, w w which is a form of medicine that I, that I practice, that I've included, we believe that consciousness comes before the physical experience. In other words, thoughts, they develop before form. Mm. So most people, they just come here and they want to handle the physical. Right, right. right? But, they, but the meaning... And, and the value is on the metaphysical and the consciousness level. So that's what I hear you saying, that when there is a physical interpretation, right? There is a seizure, there is a cut, there is an interruption, there is a Mercedes stop <laughs> in Santa Monica Mountain. And you're sitting there, you're going, boy, 
wow, now what? Like, really imagine, really imagine that there's rain coming down yeah. and you realize that you can't move and this thing is, I mean, you saw that. Yes. This thing yeah, is was, rolling down it and it's getting closer to the edge. And you have absolutely, you're like, do I get out? Do I stay in the car? There's no reception. I mean, it's just incredible metaphor. Yeah. And all of us, we need to go through that because wow. the physical experience is an invocation, an initiation into the invitation of the consciousness world where you stop and you slow down and you start seeing, well, what is this about? Mm -hmm. Where else in my life am I stuck in a mud? Yeah. How did I end up here? You know, could I have asked for more? I mean, really fascinating that now we just rely on so much technology that we could say, well, Joey, what's the great, what's the quickest way? I mean, really, before I used to have Thomas something maps. I can't remember the full name, but I have Thomas, 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 Thomas guy. Thomas guy. Thomas <laughs> guy maps. We and just aged ourselves right now. <laughs> I used to deliver pizza. That's, that's what I did, right? And, and you pull over and, and you look at the map, you see it, and you know exactly where to go because there is a map, right. right? But now we rely so much on the technology, thinking that the technology knows better than we do. Mm. Yes. Instead of connecting and saying, hey, what's the, what's the, what would, I'm coming from. Agora, what's the quickest way to do that? I'm going over the canyon. Hey, just take canyon, come down, go to PCH and come up here. I'm like, oh, great. And you just come down and you could still do this. And if it says make a left here, you say, well, I, I don't know, this might be an easier way, but I'm just going to go with what he said. Right. And right. that's the role of assist. That's the role of a mentor. That's the role of a seasoned right. veteran mm. that has gone through this. And they can communicate to parents. They can communicate to the significant other that, look, give it some breathing room. Mm, right. Let's create this space between. Let's not rush into antipsychotic, antidepressant, mm. anxiolytics, and so forth, and create a complete different physiology that now you're trying to get through these three realms. And now you start shifting and changing your physiology, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a complete disconnect. When you look at literally, when you look at what an antipsychotic medication does, right? Here you are, you're trying to pull through. Now imagine that if you really, if we are here and we have a soul curriculum and we all are supposed to get stuck in our own way, and we're supposed to contact our loved ones or the trusted advisors to bring rope and to go and to get the rope, you know, the, the tow truck, so that they can pull us out. Yes. And yes. The, the I see value, what you're saying. See, see the value saying. of the mud. Right. Yeah. Those are the people that instead of shunning, those are the people that we want to include. Right. Because they have experience. Because they've been there. And they can language. They can language the room being flooded with light. Right. Yeah. You see, yeah. and I think that's part of what assist yeah. I hear you, yeah. you that it's doing. Yeah, helping people come up with words to describe yeah. things and realize too that you're not alone. That these experiences are are happening more frequently. There's a need for them, and and you talk about the shift. I mean, we were talking about that before 
before you before while you were being stuck <laughs> 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 the importance of making that shift and and I believe is that when we make that shift from the physical to the metaphysical mm -hmm. to, to the conscious and realize the the energy you know each have a, has a different energy right, right? That, that the energy level of the physical is is often very low and we feel that sort of you know the blame and the shame and the emotions of you could have you could have reacted to the situation well like oh poor me or you know or, or shy away yeah and then say I'm not going to answer their call man they're going to judge me yeah. they're going to think I'm yes. dumb I, I was already doing it they were talking me off the cliff. I'm sitting there, oh, I'm, I was thinking he's stuck, he's this, I'm, I, got, I just got Dr. Habib's, I'm thinking it's my head, so I'm telling him, and they're like, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm actually getting annoyed, like, he's stuck, hello? Dave, <laughs> David, David, for, for our audience, <laughs> David Huff is our awesome, awesome, he's part of our team here, and David and I, and, and Joey, we, we, we went out to get you, and it was, that's so normal, though, Joey, what happened, because I felt that way, but I didn't want to express that we didn't want to put that David and I didn't want to put it really in the air because we're like oh we've worked so hard to get this interview today we've worked so hard to get this interview but then kind of the natural response that our programming has was uh you know what he's stuck he's gonna be upset now he's not gonna show up now he's not gonna want to do it and maybe it's our fault will he look at us that way we start taking on all that oh, yeah. stuff because mm -hmm. that's what we've been programmed to do and, 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 and there's one more thing I want to acknowledge with you after this, but but that's what we we start to do. And, and David and I were just saying like, hey, 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 no, no, maybe maybe he he'll be completely opposite. Maybe he'll be completely opposite. He'll be so glad we came out there. He'll do the show still. <laughs> and then when we get there, he was laughing. He yeah. was laughing, and it was great. But I want to I want to acknowledge something with Joey that goes back to what you all were saying. And that is, I, I just so commend you, man, because, you know, I, I, I have my own story about, you know, people judging me and stuff like that. But I cannot imagine someone actually thinking and, and you know, no judgment on the family. They were only doing the best they could and what they yes, knew with right. their programs. Yes. You know, yes. bless your ex-wife's heart, JC, you know, for, for trying to understand it and just not being able to because she didn't have the tools at that time. But I can't imagine being in a place where I'm hearing voices and I'm seeing things and it's so real because it is real. It is real, but everyone around me thinks their, their knee-jerk reaction is, okay, you're off now. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. And it would have been so easy for you to just, okay, yeah, I am, and allow yourself to be medicated a and lot of people do. Yes, a most, most everybody people do. Almost, right? It seems to be that a lot of people do this and that the medical profession, it's not the family. The family's looking to the medical professional to tell them what to do, and right. they're not equipped to help. No, it's an no. energy-based symptom, so they tell you, and you're like, no, that's not it. And they're like, no, he said it. You need to take this. Yeah. So now you're like, wait, first I didn't trust them, but now I have to be able to trust my family. Yeah. But now they're saying, you need to do this. He's saying that you need to do this and you'll get better. Now your back's against the wall because your family and the people that you, you're like, wait a minute. There's going to be someone that understands what's going on here. We start trying to treat the symptom versus looking at the source of things. Yeah. And, and, and thank God right. for Joey. Thank God that, that Joey just stuck with his, 
knowing that, man, this is real, this has to be real, instead of allowing them just to treat a symptom that looked off for them. Both of you all probably see that. Why do you think we do that? We, we treat the symptom instead of going for mm. the source. Well, I, I think <clears throat> that is a reflection of our society. And I would love for you to add to this based on your experience um, in what you've seen. But it, it's just it's a reflection of our society. A, a person has a headache. They call me up, they say, I have a headache. I say, well, congratulations. <laughs> you know, I have a headache. You know, I have a sneeze. I have a runny nose. I have, you know, well, can you just tolerate being with it instead of wanting a medication to get rid of it? Just look mm. at it as an opportunity that this sophisticated, intelligent body is trying to communicate with you. Mm. You know, here we are. Now, once Raul, our savior, <laughs> thank you, Raul, pulls us out. Now we're all happy, you know, and, and we're coming to do the show. And then the car is now making making a, a sound. Right, we thought we, we, were, we thought we were out of the woods. Right, yeah. we, we're, you know, the Raul has gone, left <laughs> the building. <laughs> and now we're on our own, and there is a sound. And it's like, why is it the break? But what do you do? I mean, it would be very easy to say, man, just pull over, let's call Raul to tow the truck. But part of the process is, well... Let, let's let's stop. Let's take a look. Let's work keep going. It. Let's work through it, and then by the time that you get to the main road, the sound stops. Yeah. And I think a lot of times symptoms occur, and and people come to the medical community and professionals where like we're supposed to tell them exactly why that is, mm. but the reality is we don't know. Mm. And I'm here to tell you as a physician, but we won't tell you that we don't know. So it's very easy because we want to keep you happy. So it's very easy to pull a prescription out and to put you on a medication. And I'm here to tell you that that's not of service to you. Wow. It's not of service to you psycho psychologically and psycho-spiritually because now it's sort of like keeping you in a triangle of a baby, you know, daddy and mommy or baby and the parents, right? The baby cries and the mommy needs to feed the baby, change the diaper, make it better. But you're not a baby. You're a very sophisticated, intelligent, mature, intelligent being. So when a symptom comes up, create this spaciousness and go into discovery and exploration of what is your body trying to communicate with you. But most medical doctors, they won't tell you that. The form of medicine that I practice and what I advocate um, and what we founded, it's referred to as IntelliKey Medicine. Intelliki is an, a, a term from Aristotle that simply means the movement, let's say, that an acorn goes through to become an oak tree. Really imagine that. A seed, acorn, the movement that it needs to go through to unfold into this incredible oak tree. That's called intelliki. Mm -hmm. Every human being has an intelliki. Right. And what we go through is sometimes we need to get stuck in the mind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to have a psychic breakdown. Sometimes we need to have, we need to be forced and to be cornered, at, you know, between a rock and a hard place. To grow. To grow, to break open. That's mm. part of our intelliki. Yeah. So the whole idea that a, a psychic urgency or, a, yeah, it's not a bad thing. A physical symptom could be an initiation into various different realms that I think that's where you come in or this space that we're hoping to create 
as a collective intentional community that when people are going through that, instead of forcing them and medicating them, and don't get me wrong, sometimes you need medications. Right. I, you know, I'm completely an advocate of that. But fastidiously, judiciously, instead of over-medicating, right. you know, and so forth. Yeah, yeah just, I, I think it's um, by, again, by, where we're conditioned to, to, for quick fixes. Yes. We want, we want quick answers and we want quick uh, medication and we want quick solutions. And, but by, by all this mm. quickness, we're not taking the time to look back on mm -hmm. exactly this intelligence. Why did this happen? Right. Why, you know, what's what's really going on? What hmm. what's what's happening? And and not just figuring out what's happening, but also look at the the positives in it, like mm -hmm. it, the, the, the 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 different stages, like the the cocoon. Yes. In the cocoon, the the um, larvae or what the, the caterpillar yes. completely dissolves. Right. It dissolves into a black muddy mess. Yes. And then all the molecules rearrange themselves to become a butterfly. Right. You know, right. And, and we're 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 going through these initiation phases, which you mentioned, initiation phases. And each time, it's like going into the cocoon. Oftentimes, so when we become sick and we retreat or we get ourselves into trouble, so there's a reason for it. And maybe we're there's a readiness for the next stage in our lives. Right. And we're seeing with these spiritual experiences that they're not tied to any set physical circumstances. You can have a spiritual experience while you're driving a car, yes. while you're doing the dishes, yes. when you're in the hospital, when you're sick, when you're healthy, when, yes. you, no matter what age. What is it common, though, is the need for it. The spiritual, there, there is a quest. Yes. There is a readiness for that next phase what the experience will bring sometimes it's a matter of just re reassuring you yes. your life is okay right. you're fine you know right. sometimes though you need a major <laughs> course correction <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you need a cosmic two by four and it's just like it's, can you say that again what can you just say the whole thing <laughs> can you even so, include so, the sailor language can you just do it <laughs> sometimes you need a fucking course correction oh yeah you just, you just need like man their yes. their side may be going dude we yes. got this this big time trouble we gotta yeah. we gotta interview but but most people really like a lot of people and i wouldn't say most i don't know um they get it in different ways you don't have to go out of body and see no. the light or, or yeah. to, to have these awakenings they they can they can arise from again from inside yeah. you know and yeah. develop from or learn you you come across people yeah. people that are just right there like the them showing up absolutely with your car, there's a gentility. You know, there's there things happen so I think it's interesting how you say you know we want things so quick so quick now and Dr. Habib says like you know oh I have a headache how do I get rid of this because the last thing we want is to be in discomfort you know no one wants to be in, in uncomfortable and what I personally found in my experience is in my darkest time when I was in, incarcerated for nine years and 
that uncomfortableness there actually expanded me. And it was in that place is where I actually probably grew the most up into that point. You know, it's where I had my biggest growth spurt when I was most uncomfortable and I really had to work. You know, I had to feel, I had to process. It was either that or give in to the experience of yeah. and all the negativity and do the yeah. things that are there. Or hide. Now imagine you're standing, right? This is when you guys left, right? I'm, I'm standing there in the middle of nowhere and he's telling me about him being incarcerated for nine years. And I'm standing, I'm going, wow, this is going to be gnarly. <laughs> I literally just melted and I started crying because he could have, he could have hide. He could have run away. He could have put on a persona and a mask. It's so easy to do and hide and not be caught. But instead, he literally became the moth and he went into the fire. He chose to go in and to say, this I've done. Mm -hmm. And something that was supposed to be 150 years mm. incarceration drops down to nine years, nine months. Yes. Nine months figuratively where he gets to have this impregnation of giving birth to this. This spiritual being that is shifting and changing everything. But that goes to what you were saying when you were saying, okay, even, yeah, maybe, okay, I didn't listen to myself and I paid attention to something externally outside myself and I ended up in this situation. But even once you were in that situation, now the situation is here, you decided to be in the, yes, okay, okay, I'm here. Where's the lesson? Where's the lesson? Yes. And the universe provides the lesson and it provides liberation also because yeah. universe is for you yes yes because life is for you yes we, we, we get caught into this that we're here and we're alone and you know we're going to be caught in Santa Monica mountain in the in the in the mud and I'm just going to die alone and no one is going to help me that's an illusion yes. mm. that's the dream mm -hmm. to awaken from that that just to be open and people call you. People connect. Raul finds, God, a ton of chains. <laughs> a hundred chains. He said he only had 75 feet. I mean, he says 75 like... feet, but I mean, he had 200 feet of chain. <laughs> he had seven, he like four 75 feet chains. <laughs> and it was the funny thing. You know, I think he was actually going to try to get more money out of you, but I think that he liked you. Cause like, that's what that was. That was like, he was trying to get you. I don't he think, had all, he I didn't know he had those chains. Come on. Yeah, I, listen, it was the but biggest But I'm telling you, the way done, he looked at him, he <laughs> just loved it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, it's like, listen, you do your thing. You can't do it, fine. If not, we'll go for, I don't know, call fire department for recovery. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, this is, the, uh, that's why I said the podcast has already started. Right. Our life has already started. We're part of this journey. And the intention of this, and really, and the conversation that we're having is, you're not alone. Right. That no matter who you are, your greatest sin is for you to think mm. that you're alone. Mm. No matter what you've done. No matter what's occurring for you. And if you could consider that, if you could consider 
that you belong to a human family of 7.85 billion mm. students that they're fucking up just like you, right? <laughs> yes. That they're making mistakes, that they're getting F on their quiz, that they're getting stuck in the mountains. But that's okay. That's how you learn. Yes. And that's why we're here. It, that's really the conversation. Yeah. Yes. That is really the conversation of, you know, recontextualizing what it means to be a mother. And how many people you've mothered through mm. what you've done. Mm. You mothered us today. Wow. You mothered us today. You just wow, so yeah. many people. But if she had a baby and babies, um, there's no question in my mind that you would be an amazing mom, physiologically speaking. But perhaps psycho-spiritually, you couldn't really be present and provide mm -hmm. um, what you're providing mm -hmm. for so many. Because yes. I'm here to tell you, you wow. know, with, with yeah. his transformation and the idea that you've created something that there is a space between I mean it's so easy you know zero one you know a light switch on off you're either normal or you're crazy yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you create a dimming effect you create a spaciousness a continuum and you say well look, look just relax I, I got it you're having certain experiences that Maybe I can't, as a medical doctor, I can't really connect with and I can't really understand. But um, let's focus. Let's, let's bring you back into your body. Let's talk about groundedness. Let's talk about your diet. Look at, I mean, no one talks about Linus Pauling. The guy won two Nobel Prize, not mm. one. Mm. And he started orthomolecular medicines, yes. a usage of high dosage of vitamins and nutrients as a way of shifting and changing the neurotransmitters of our bodies inside. And as you shift and change these neurotransmitters, your behavior shifts and change. I mean, these are some of the things that the medical model currently, it's not available. Why, why does Western medicine negate conscious experiences? Are they, when you have them, it, it immediately goes to, you, you have to go to a psychiatrist, obviously, because you're working with the mind then they just don't understand how to deal with it. Like Western medicine, like I, you know what I did? Is I was like, I gotta go to a Sikh doctor, right? I just wanna see, cause I started doing Kundalini and but my whole experience, mm -hmm. I go and I go, I'm gonna see the Sikh doctor in Beverly Hills. I'm the same, so you know, come up. So I go see him and he happens that he knew Yogi Bhajan and I started explaining to him my experience. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, I really can't help you. And I got like, I Saran, Saran Khalsa. Yeah, and I was like, wait a second, you can't, and he like looked at me and I could tell he was tripping. Emma, like, I was, it was almost like a shock. I almost started like just now tearing because I was like, how, why is that? You know better than anyone what's mm -hmm. going on. And he goes, I can't, I can't tell you to go to the yoga. I mean, I can tell you. He goes, but there's certain things in my practice, and I, and I, I, I was, I left there, and that's what really got me. That like I was like, I got to do this. That's somebody who knows, and it's not that he doesn't want to. It's just with what they're taught and they're able to do. It's not allowed. No, yeah, we don't have a code for it. You can't code for it. It doesn't exist. How, and, and that's why we have to make it. We have right. to create that. Yes. That, in, in in other cultures, many other cultures. Native Americans, Sikh yes, Buddhists. People who had. Ex 
experiences like yours are seen as healers, as nah. seen as, as wise yes. people. Shaman. Because, yes, because you've touched the other side. Mm. You've seen the other side, and they want your wisdom. They yeah. want you. You're renovated. You're revered. You're a Kunandero. You, yes. Yeah. And do you think that... I'm just saying that I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but do you think that the government actually knows this and tries to dumb us down? Because why? They know. They know what's up. You're, you know what I mean? You can go have a conversation and know what's happening. Yeah. See, what, what, what I think it's I, about money. It is about money. It's absolutely right. about money. You see, what, what you need to look at is perhaps one way of looking at it is to look at the model. The model is, the model could, could be um, more humane and more humanistic. See, if you were to grow oranges, and you were to come in and juice your orange and drink it, that's one of the most anti-capitalistic things you could ever do. Because you're supposed to take your oranges to the farmer's market, sell it to someone else, they will take it, they will juice it, sell the juice to someone else, they will filter the pulp, sell the juice, sell the pulp, someone is going to make jam from the pulp. <laughs> Trickle down economy. Mm -hmm. The model is set up, you see, the model is set up as such. If you start telling people, wow, I found it in telekinetic My God, you see how you're getting recurrent urinary tract infections? Wow, let's talk about it because this is something to do with what's occurring for you currently in your life. Let's look at that. You mean that you can really help me with you know, me not being able to stomach this person or that person, and all of a sudden I have gastroesophageal reflux. <laughs> you mean you can help me? Can you imagine people not, not paying $4 per pill for a purple pill right, right, for the right. rest of their lives? Right. And the purple pill, not that they're taking, you know, it's decreasing a particular hormone called cholecystokinine and the hydrochloric acid. And within two years now, they're going to have low dosage of B12. Now they're going to start having forgetfulness and early wow. Alzheimer's and dementia. Wow. What's the downstream effect? It's very easy to do something to get rid of the symptom, but what's the downstream effect? Right. How are you uplifting this sophisticated, intelligent human being so he comes back to the community and he wants to be engaged and to have a larger conversation instead of medicating him and he's sitting in a corner in a rehab facility and drooling for the rest of his life? Mm. I mean, that's the alternate. Right. And, why, and it doesn't, it, it's so like when you look at that, that's why, and you go through that experience and you're like, wait a second, I, I feel like I know my, and that's the one thing, I feel like I know myself. I'm a little out there and, you know, people go, oh, Joey's a little crazy, you know, a, a different upbringing, everybody's had a creative upbringing, being on the street and everything. But I, one thing I did know is to hold on to who I was. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I said, no, I put AirPods in and people said, so I said, no, I ain't doing it. And even I went to my teacher because she saw I was starting to break me down. And she goes, don't even tell him anymore. She goes, you don't need to. You know, you could just get away with it. And I go, no, nah, I'm going to sing it from the rooftops. I'm already in. I'm knee deep. I'm out here. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. My family, they don't understand. This is, this is our God-given right to experience this. And really, like when I started talking about God, it would confuse people. And really, you're really, really like, you're so on top of it. It's love. Yeah. The common thing, because all these religious things saying, do this, do that. So you're, you, you, you start on God, people go, oh, 
wait a second. So I was like, I don't talk about God. Let's talk about love. Let's just do that for a minute. Because you're black, brown, Iranian, whatever it is you want to call some shit. We all love. We were born to love. Right? Right? So anything you say, for me, when I started talking about it, I started to just take those things out because it seemed to confuse people. Mm -hmm. And I just go, let's just talk about love. Because I know that you, you want to be loved. Even if you start acting differently, it's only because of the experience you had growing up. But if I show you love and I keep killing you with love, you'll show it to me, you know? And, and ultimately, a lot of those things in love, because you feel you're less than because of the way you're judged. Mm-hmm. So you, you really don't love yourself. And ultimately, you can't, for me, I, I thought I knew how to love other people, but it was really kind of like almost like the minors and the pros or something, you know, like I thought I did because they told me this is the way you love. It was like someone telling you this, oh, okay. That's kind of like, you know what I mean? But ultimately, like when I started to love myself, it just changed the whole game. Because now to express it, I had a smile on my face now. So I talked to people, I'd be like, hey, what's up? They'd be like, because usually I, you know, you're on the street, you don't want people coming up to you and you kind of keep a little bit of a distance and that's the way of doing it is having that face and, you know, intimidation. But it just changed because I had a smile and and it just, it flipped everything. It changed my whole philosophy for everything because the way I expressed myself, the way I cared about everybody and and that oneness. People say oneness. We're all part of this and I'd be like, you're tripping oneness, right? But if you really think about right now of what's going on in the world, if you don't think we're one, this coronavirus has made us one. Well, that's why coronavirus has arised. Right? Yes. Because... You, you know, just really think about what it's done. I mean, look at today's paper. It's so funny. Just yeah. pick up today's paper. There's nothing to read except <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> sports? There are no sports. No sports. Well, I tell you what, go to ESPN. Guess what? There are no sports. You know what they're talking about? Coronavirus. No concerts. You see? Nothing. They cancel everything, right? You're staying put, and we really are reflecting. Reflecting. As a society yeah. of how have been... Look, the research that is out, that since the technology came out, elderly are dying at a higher rate. One of the most important causes, one of the common causes of elderly dying is pneumonia. Do you know why they're dying? Because they're getting text messages from their loved ones. They're not even calling them. So they don't get to speak because when you speak, you create a percussion and clears your lungs. So that, that translates into a higher rate of community-acquired pneumonia in nursing homes and they're dying. It, it's really think about that. It's very easy. See, life has an intelligence. Nothing happens because there is no necessity. We might not understand it, I might not have appreciated getting stuck in the mud, right? And, and having mud literally everywhere. I think yeah, when I take was... off my, sh- my, my <laughs> underpants, there's going to be mud everywhere. I'm telling you. But yeah. there, that was necessary. There is absolutely no question. And even as I was going through it, I kept reminding myself, you know, nothing real can be threatened. Yeah, no, it, it, nothing unreal exists. It's... Yeah. And herein lies the peace of God. Yes. Mm. Well, it's like uh, these kind of crises have a way of prioritizing things as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, people really are afraid of mm-hmm. death. 
of dying and catching this horrible thing and then dying. And it causes people, yes, to withdraw and to reflect about what's truly important in life. Right? What? So you withdraw in your home, you self-quarantine, you have your little quarantini, and, and reflect on what's, what, what really matters. And what really matters is you, this connection with other people and it's love, right? So you can't connect. There to, you, you don't touch anybody, don't go anywhere, so you withdraw, and you realize how important, maybe, maybe this is a part of the reason, yes. is how important those connections to other people are. And we value it when we lose it, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think this is an awakening yes. of that, that isolation, that social isolation, because we've been pushed gently into this social isolation through technology. We don't realize it, yeah. but now we literally have isolation. One of the greatest moments of this experience of getting stuck in the mud was what you did at the end. You know, we're done with St. Raul. St. Raul needs to pack up and go. Guess what he did? He said, what can I do for you? He mm -hmm. actually helped them with the ton of chains that he had. <laughs> no, someone needed to help him to put it back. And then I see that he's getting his, all his information. And he comes in and he says, I'm going to give him a great review on Yelp. I mean, just really think about that. Look at the completion. And I'm here to tell you, had he not gone through the Harvard University for nine years, Harvard <laughs> <laughs> in the skies of Penn State, penitentiary. Penn State, he would have not cultivated the consciousness, the mm. sensitivity that he's holding. You are so right because that is a place where, I don't want to necessarily use the word broken, but I saw so many men, and I'm sure it's the same in the women's prisons, that were just hopeless and, and, and looking for something to hold on to or someone to acknowledge them. And I think it left this spirit in me that just wants to acknowledge people and, and, and let them know that they matter mm. however I can. I wanted to bring up one thing. Um, I don't believe there's a true thing such as an introvert. I, I, I believe that is a symptom. Mm. I, I believe people become closed off and I don't think there's any person that truly wants to be alone. I think you know, I, I have a couple of friends that live up in the mountains. They're like, oh, no, man, I'm antisocial. I don't want to be around people, blah, 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 blah. But I think that comes from a deeper space of being let down by people. Yeah. And now that that is their survival. I think introverts, it, it's not a true state of being. It's, it's, it's a survival mechanism. And traumas. Absolutely. Yeah, in, in uh, one of my teachers, who was a psychiatrist, um, Morton Herskowitz, wrote a book called Emotional Armoring. So we usually refer to that, um, that way of being, mm -hmm. that rigidity, um, as armoring, ah. as emotional armoring, which, is, which could be either a maladaptive behavior um, towards a deep hurt, right. a trauma, which sometimes could be a micro-trauma of various right. different things, a level of neglect and so forth, or 
um, you know, or it could be transgenerational, or it could be cultural. I don't think it's an accident that when you look at or you know the, the number of incarcerated individuals that we have, that Afro Americans are up to sixty five percent. Look at the look at the cultural trauma that's occurring. Right. 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 And how do we come together as a society and create this space between mm. for that? Have a real system that actually is helping them. Like, and, and when you say that, when I look at it, we, we spoke about this. It's bringing meditation and yoga into correctional facilities and into school systems. And I say that for like kids like me and, and Kane, like a latchkey kid will say. Mm-hmm. When you don't have this, these things, and you make mistakes, or you don't have the thing, you know what I mean? Like whatever, kids. It. I know that that meditation and yoga helps you kind of kind of center into your your instrument. Mm-hmm. And what a better way for any kid to do is start to know himself, right? Because yeah. they did it. They did a couple of trials in, in in South Central or in Los Angeles, and they brought meditation instead of detention, and it it cut the violence down in, in that school by fifty percent. You're like. Like you, you know, right? Well, you know this. What? Why? Why is this being spread out across the United States, right? And then you have like uh, one of Donald Trump's attorneys that actually says that uh, Jay Sokolow. He was saying something that mindfulness uh, it, it violates the First Amendment, right? My, it's a Buddhist practice, and I was like, I was, I had to like read it a couple times. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? Mind? I, I was like, I did like. So what you're, what what I hear you saying, and I think as as a community, that's something to look at would be, to create a new language that what you said from the beginning that pulls out that which is confusing or charged or polarizing. Mm. Love tends to be, not, you know, tends to be the glue, right? So instead of yoga, it could be intentional stretching or something, some mm. type of a physical activity. And I know that if you, you know, in the Penn State, <laughs> that's one of the things that you said, that you, that you were referred to as a peacemaker. Yes. And you brought yoga, you brought meditation, right? And it, there was a waiting list of yes. people coming in and being participating into that, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, you know, I think in those, in the, in those spaces, there is such an, an absence of love. Yes. There is such a disconnect yes. that it, it, it's almost like that child that is um, only learns that, well, I should say, thinks that abuse is love. Yeah. So they start to actually, you know what, I'll do anything to get attention. Because attention means that person loves me. Yeah. I think guys in prison, you know, we're we're all acting from a, a, a child's space. Not saying that, yeah. I'm not saying we're, we're childish, but there is such. And I'm not saying everyone in prison has experienced that, but from from my from my experience, what I was able to see is so many of these people. They might have families. Yeah. They might have spouses. They might have parents to come see them, but they're really didn't get the connection of love and now what they're doing is they're doing anything for the attention yes because guess what if you're not gonna love me then i'm gonna screw you fuck you and i'm gonna make you hate me almost since you can't love me and 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 when i got there and i just started showing people a different way and not even like having to go, come here, let me show you this way. Just by treating guys different. Mm-hmm. Just by treating guys different. 
I know when I got there, you know, there, are the, there were the rules that say you are not allowed, blacks aren't allowed to sit and talk with whites or, or eat with whites or, or Mexicans. And these races aren't allowed to, to converge. It's just because none of them know. They're, they're so uncomfortable outside of their own pain and thinking that, God, that guy must, you know, it, it, he's so foreign, it's going to hurt me if I extend anything kindness. If I extend kindness, they're going to take advantage of me. And we just went in there, myself and a couple other um, inmates and, and at the time that were becoming more aware of ourselves, and we just started extending that kindness, you know? We started extending the kindness and not worrying about what was going to happen if we looked weak, mm -hmm. you know? I, I think we absolutely looked stronger to people when we were being kind because it made us look like, wow, man, that dude, he can get a problem being kind. He must be able to take care of himself. He can be kind. And you just started to see men changing mm -hmm. when you were offering them something. I always say people will do better when they know better. Mm -hmm. And... uh Practices, daily practices. I ended up building up this daily practice of going within. And because I was in a place where, you know, there's no worthiness. People, people, the illusion is no one there is worthy. And I would go through this daily practice of just telling myself, you're worthy, man. This, 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 you're a prisoner, but that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, this is your space and confined but you can create love in this space. And I would talk to myself, man, even when there was no one else to talk to. That's it. That is the most important yes. lecture that anyone can and should listen to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What are your daily practices? What are oh, your daily oh, practices? What, what is your <laughs> daily practice? Well, my daily practice is also meditation. I day, sometimes multiple times a day, many, many meditations, mindfulness. And it's part of that life is a dream not, I don't mean dream, dream in a sense of not important. I, I think of this as symbolic meaning. So I, I get visions of, I think in metaphor, it's, it develops your connection with that mm -hmm. metaphysical. Mm -hmm. So you actually develop a kind of a self-love the way you're loved spiritually. Mm -hmm. Each of us being precious. We're mm -hmm. developing that connection, that channel. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes the channel, that connection communicates to us in symbolism, in metaphor, but it's always about love. Right. It's always about love. And it's trying to tell you in so many words and images and happenings mm -hmm. and people you meet, it's telling you again and again how much you're loved. And that, that, that you are so so we don't need to always need it from the outside yes right yes yes our parents should have loved us so we know the feeling of love but that often doesn't happen to love us you know it's hardest thing as an adult to learn to love yourself mm -hmm. give yourself the love that you weren't given mm -hmm. as a child that is really really hard but that's so necessary to find one's purpose right who you are is what you love. Mm -hmm. And to love you is to know you. Yeah. So to know you to, is to, you find that out in meditation. Mm. You know, it, it, you, 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 that connection of 
you start paying attention to the subtle emotions or the subtle energy going on in your stomach, right? Yes. You know, or your gut mm -hmm. is trying to tell you something, or this image is trying to tell you, or this happening is trying to. You just it's more more connection. So, I think meditation in in prison, in all in in medicine and in schools and everywhere, meditation is a key. You yeah. can think of it as prayer. You can think of a walk in nature. And it, there's so many ways to, to, to do it. My victimhood yes, that's dissolved, dissolved while in the, that yes, space. You can't be a victim anymore right? when you right? become mm -hmm. empowered this way. Right. right? It had to, I started looking at it going, oh, and that's part of my practice that I started going, wow, okay, this isn't, this isn't happen to me. It didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And like, oh, okay, I asked for this. I asked for this. I, I, I asked for it because I'm a healer and I wanted to be a healer. So I needed to experience like the pain that other people felt in order to help heal them. And, you know, after healing myself. And so I did have that yeah. practice. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's like letting go of. Yeah. You're not, you are not what happened to you. Right, right, right. That's but it's a practice of having right. to practice that. You yes. have to practice you that. You have to practice that. No because the world fix. has told you. It's not a quick fix. Yeah, that yeah. you're a victim. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And what you need is out there. Mm -hmm. You need my. You need my services. Right. You need right. my money. You need my love. You mm -hmm. need my, you know. Everything. That. Everything. You're the whole so, setup. Yeah, right? it's all set up. Food, yep. sex, drugs. Right? Attention. Yeah, all that, it's set up. But <clears throat> understanding that you are precious, that there is a purpose for you, yes. that you're not an accident, <laughs> that you're part of a larger conversation, that life is actually being cultivated. Life is actually uh, differentiating through you. I can't even experience, I can't even connect what it must have been like to be in the Penn State for nine years in the federal penitentiary. How many long were you in solitary? Um, I ended up doing a, a pretty long stint in solitary for a moment, um, almost a year. And yeah, yeah, a little, little hours bit. Of lockdown. Yeah, 23 no hours. Almost a little bit over that. Um, but once again, the way I, I would hear, and I definitely want to go back to our practices, but I would hear other men yelling and crying that had been down there for a certain amount of time because like you said, and like you were speaking of, that connection was gone. Mm -hmm. No one was touching them. No. It was like the, like the, like the older person that you said. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't getting the call, even the mail, even, you know, they weren't even able to get the text, you yes. know, they weren't even able to get to the, 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 the yes. and, and they were losing that connection. You would hear them losing their mind. That's exactly right. And giving up. And I, wow. I, I was witness to a several, I didn't see it myself, but you know, they, they would end up willing which is really fuck you up. Oh my god, right, really right. by you. You're right, like, right. So one went. you see it going past the door, got a, a body because the guy's hung himself in there. Yeah, but my practice in there was 
like I said, every day I would tell myself, no, don't get me wrong, because that was my life in the sense that I, that's, that was the space and I was there to do a job and I was there to shine a light, but I even had to remind myself all the time, you are love, you are love, there's so much more, there's so much more, and even if there's not more than this, I have a job here. Because when I first went in, I didn't know I was only gonna get that time. Correct. And I remember telling someone, you know what? So, because before I turned myself in, someone said, oh man, man, what if they give you all that time? And I just remember believing so much in here that that's not my life. That's not going to be my life. That's not going to be my life. But there are other men that are much better than me that have had to go there and that be their life their whole time. Mm -hmm. So I told the universe, I told God, please you know the work I want to do. I, 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 will, I, I will step into my yes. I will say yes. And not only will I say yes, I will go be yes now. I will go be the work for you. Outside, you know that's why I prefer to do my work. <laughs> but if, you, it, if it is your will for me to be here, I will do the work here. That's it. I will do the work here. So even when I said yes to that space, you know, the universe did what the universe does. God does what God does. But the people, like you're saying, that disconnection, it's so easy to get lost and give up. You have to remind yourself yes. that you are perfect, whole, and complete, that you're connected. There is no disconnect. It's only the illusion of being disconnected. Yes. That's the dream. That's, it. That's the dream. That's the dream. And any practice that can allow you realizing that here the consciousness you can move the consciousness into the physical form mm. yes. and that's right. what you did yes. I want to get out you're right yes. here yes. and you declared yes. and you moved the consciousness which trickles down into the physical world reality right yep and any set of practice for me one of the things that I advocate is what I refer to as purged emotional writing. What I have found is to be able to have a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil sitting somewhere that you feel cocoon, that you don't need to worry about her writing what I, you know, what I'm writing, right? Mm -hmm. Reading what I'm writing, that I, I write, you know? I, today, I, I might even do this here. I'll do it right now. I'll do it out loud. You know, I, gosh, I felt really stupid when I got caught in, in mud, in my car, and people had to come and rescue me. I, I felt really dumb that I couldn't really find my way or think through it, that this little thin road would not get me into that. Uh, all that stuff. I write whatever is there. I don't censor it. Mm -hmm. And then I burn it. I so just release it. it. It's the quickest way to be able to cleanse, to let go, and to empty out the, uh, you know, the subconscious so that, and you have a wider bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Then, if 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 I don't do anything daily, regardless of this is this is a practice that I do, and I recommend it to every single patient. And the other thing that I do is um, I spend time in nature, whatever it is, even if it's you know what what the length of time. And I tell you, you know, we have animals, and 
Sunday night, I, I came out and I observed that one of our sheep, um, she wasn't, you know, she was staying away from the herd. She was spending more time in the barn. I went to check on her and she was, you know, and I didn't know that she was pregnant and she was giving birth. Oh. And to see that, and here is the lamb coming out, and the sack breaks, and you know she licks it and moves it. And then within two minutes, this lamb is on on four legs and wow. moving around. You know, it's so to be able to be in nature and to be grounded, it, it's it's necessary. It's you know you get what's referred to as the orgon energy, life force. That life force, and and you realize the magnitude of it all and how insignificant we are yeah. that we're on this little tennis ball called earth mm -hmm. that it's rotating around itself and it's rotating around the giant sun which is a million times larger mm -hmm. hey it's really we're like little tiny ants so. that, that touched me too like um we talk about in that moment of, of observing this mm -hmm. little lamb coming forth when that happens, and when we're too busy thinking all the yeah. time, when there's not silence in the brain, we, we, we cannot think and observe mm. at the same time. Mm. So if we're not observing, we're not appreciating. Yeah. So, so meditation gives us a practice of being silent. Yeah. So the longer we can be silent up here, the more we're able to observe and appreciate mm -hmm. and understand and connect to, right? And our, our culture is so busy with words all the time, with thinking and listening and watching, you know, media and, and all this. A lot about words, but that's only really a part. Mm -hmm. I like what Einstein said, and it's attributed to him. He said, I have no use for words. <laughs> except to communicate what I see in my mind's eye. Because <laughs> he solved, he was able to observe the images that come forth only in silence. And they gave him scientific solutions to his problems. So you're talking too about the stomach, you know, like really gets, what did they say, We're like eating away my stomach yeah, or something, yeah. and then you develop the physical. Yes. Well, the words, the that image speaks a thousand words, and yes. it's like a, like all this energy of that words, this image. So creating, you know, you're creating. And you, you didn't need, you learned the lesson you need to learn, so you didn't have to stay 150 years, right? Wow. See, so that was like the other side going, yeah. you learn what you came here to learn, son. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so it's a it's a metaphysical power of solutions and observing. Being in nature is yes. one way to connect. Be silent because when you're in nature, there's so much to observe, yes. right? And so so yeah, thank you for bringing that yeah. Can you tell us about uh, what you've got coming up in the fall? Oh, with assist. Oh, with okay. assist. Every year we have a conference where we train mental health professionals, spiritual guidance counselors, and life coaches professionals on working with this. So the conference, because mental health professionals have to be licensed in their state, we move our conference around to different states. Right. So last year we were in Atlanta, and this year we'll be in Oregon. 
November 15th to the 16th. And we train and uh, certify those who wish to be on our directory um, and to be found by people seeking their health. And so their specialty is listed and their practices are listed and so forth. I'm a facilitator, I'm not a mental health professional, but I would just help facilitate all this. Is is so uh, there's different trainings going on and we try to bring faculty in, open minded faculty from from all from different universities, academics, um, and bring the latest in the research in this area, which is growing. I mean, as we're not alone. Yeah. There, the, it's a growing body of literature. Even NIH has funded over 2,000 studies yeah. related to spirituality and health. Absolutely. It's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it is growing, this understanding, and our goal is to mainstream it. Right. So we hope people thank you for And how? And if somebody wanted to donate money, that. how would they find you? So to assist them? Yeah, absolutely. ACISTE.org. <laughs> um, -E and there's a donate button right there, and our address is on there to, if you want to mail in an old-fashioned check. But it's easy to just click and donate. We're going to put that on the bottom of the screen, so it's probably on the bottom of the screen right now somewhere. Whoa. Can you give yeah. the name again? So it's... Assist, A-C-I-S-T-E dot org. The uh, ACON um, Lighting America tour, the, the, we had that panel of speakers. And in speaking with ACON, I didn't, you know, I didn't know this. When, when we had that panel of speakers, everything at that, um, everything was going wrong, Dr. Habib. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew, like, everything was going wrong at, 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 at the, uh, the event. But I just kind of stayed in, in the pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, I was kind of watching these things happen and just go, just let's see, let's just see what happens. And, and at the time, it was like, you know, like it wasn't looking too good. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go through the motions. There wasn't even a, a, a chair on stage for me and I was supposed to speak. And finally, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go up. I got to do this. I almost didn't do it because I was just kind of like, ah, it's mm -hmm. done. It's almost over. But I'm like, I got to do this. They ended up putting a chair up. They didn't have my bio. They didn't have anything. I just went up, mm -hmm. and we all started speaking, and, and I really didn't. I was almost like I was outside of myself. When I started speaking, and I started speaking about schizophrenia a little bit, and at the time, I had no idea that Akon's older brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. Mm -hmm. Wow. No. And so the whole thing to me was kind of like, wow, I, I, th there was a lot of things going wrong and I was actually now just trying to get through it. Say, I'm yeah. gonna get through this because I've been trying to get this done for a while. Since this, this happened mm -hmm. to me, I was just, I wanted to get this done. I was trying to get this, you know, th this done. It, we almost got it done like a year before with, with Damian Marley and Akon and it didn't happen and it fell apart and just kept pushing it. And so it was just like, let's get this, this done. So. I come off the stage, I got them talking, Dr. Habib, and I, right as I got off the stage, lady grabs my arm and she looks at me and I looked up and it was Akon's mom. Hmm. And she, she has an African accent, she started talking to me and she looked at me and she goes, we came for you. Hmm. And I'm looking at her and I was kind of like, what's she, what's she saying? I was kind of just still in my own world and my, Right when she looked at me, I looked at her eyes, and when she started talking about schizophrenia and these things, and I could see her eyes kind of well up, and then I, I, I finally figured out what she was saying. Mm. And it wasn't about the music. It was about what we said in that panel. And right there, like when she said it, I knew, and my body lit up, and I was like, we did it. 
we did it's we what we did what we just about panels in the universe yeah you, we did it yeah so it didn't even all the things like the shit that you just said about being stuck in the mud i was getting stuck in the mud sitting there there was all these things going down yes. and i had my head but i didn't want anyone to see it when i came off and she looked at me and said it mm -hmm. i was like and and i just started tearing and i was like we did it yeah. we, we did it and then from there dr beeb called me goes I want to sit with the lady from Assist. I want to sit with the, the started Assist with, with Liz. And, and, and I go, and he, with Liz at first, because you weren't the one that was sitting with us. And I said, we got to set this up. But Dr. Habib reached out and goes, we need to do that. We need to sit down and have a conversation about this because it's really important. And those couple of things to me, like were way past any of those other things, music and yeah. you know all these different things because and it was someone else that said it to me. They like they looked at me and they go, "You did it, bro. Doesn't matter. We're you. All those people said it, and it's it's out. And I didn't even you know I didn't recognize it because I was busy looking at the mud, you know. And and a lot of people I think do that. Yeah. And, and it's okay because you wouldn't even know to have a good day if you unless you had a bad day. Yeah. Or right. vice versa. Yeah. You know, we live in a polarity planet. This is this is a yin and yang situation. And we learn from those dark moments and really need to learn how to appreciate them, have a relationship with pain, have a relationship with fear, you know, step into it. And I think that when I started to go through that experience, that's kind of what I did. Instead of running from it, I kind of went into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really what helped me was by going into it and not running from it. And, and I think that's why I'm still sitting here. I think that's probably why you're sitting here. I'm glad you ran into it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ran into yeah. it. Yeah. We're a bunch of runners into it. <laughs> yeah, I made that right turn. <laughs> you went right into that turn. Dr. Habib, yeah. can you tell us about the um, Beehive of Healing Center that you founded? Sure, yeah. So Beehive of Healing is a medical center um, that my wife and I, we work with. She's a pediatric. Who is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I got to meet her. She's a pediatric dentist, orthodontist. And, um, you know, and it's, it's really this way of thinking, which is based on medicine. Mm -hmm. And this way of thinking, it takes a lot of energy. And it requires a lot of time um, to be able to guide people. And that's why I think I have so much respect for what, what you're creating and what you're holding. And, you know, it's, it's a line of energy behind, you know, behind of healing, the love button, global movement and our nonprofit. These are all line of energies mm -hmm. because remember everything starts at the consciousness level. Yeah. And that's the value of intentionality. That's the value of language. How can the President of the United States get a piece of pen and a paper and say, by the power invested in me as the President of the United States, I pardon so-and-so. And now they don't have to serve. And they've done, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's the power of the language right. that can create because that's really the intentionality. Right. And I think one of the things that I'm walking away with as we complete shortly is really what we've created. We've created a new language for right. people that they go through and they get stuck in the mud, right? Uh -huh. It's like, hey, don't freak out. Just relax. Take a deep breath. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna feel the blame, the shame. You're gonna start mind shaming. Let, let it come up. Take a deep breath. Listen, nothing. You're not gonna die. This thing is not gonna slip. You're not gonna just. You know, you're not gonna die. And then, as you allow it, then reach out to your the people, the trusted advisors that they can help you, because what you really want is the second ward right there. There's space between. You want to create that spaciousness. Whether everyone is crazy, everyone on the planet. That's why we're here. If we weren't, we wouldn't be. And depending on what we need to work with and our soul curriculum, there are certain challenges that we're going to run into. Right now, create that spaciousness and be mindful and come forward, and spirit will come and to co-create and co-inspire to have the solution so that your life will have a meaning. And in the process, not only you're helped, but everyone else is also helped. Mm. You know, and it's really a privilege to be here, you know, and, uh, and to be so part of this conversation and for you to fly and to be here and, you know, and for everything, for the orchids to be uh, caught on fire. <laughs> you know, all this is, no, this, this was supposed to happen to the exactly from the hawk to the, <laughs> to the fire, fire. To the fire and 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 being in it and just having you express it the way what happened into how it ties to this whole thing and just the way life is and how we address these experiences it's really the importance of how we wake up and, and set our intention for the day is really how you're going to end your day if you think about it because if you wake up all pilot you know it's really setting those intentions of what you want to do in a positive way to, to create your world, your universe, right? It's not just to feel better. We change the world when we change our thinking. Yes. We change. Yes. Our, it's not our thoughts are not, our consciousness is not locked up no. up here. It's yes. all going out and we're affecting everybody. It's a bit, then it becomes a responsibility for us to monitor. Yes. Not be in the mud. Not yes. be the thick at all. You yes. Know? Now, yes. now there's a responsibility yes. for us to yes. keep yes. Our audience out there, I, I absolutely encourage you all to look these two up. Uh, look at, go on YouTube and watch everything they have. Go, go on their website, her website, and find out all you can. It's, it's, it's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful experience for you. We have so much more we could talk about, and 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 hopefully we can have both of you back here because there are, there are things that we. This didn't has been talk. a six-hour podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's been a six-hour <laughs> podcast, and there's All the terrain, the whole thing, right? Right. <laughs> there are some things we, we, you know, we we we'd like to talk about next time you come, like, um, you know, trauma, what trauma does at a young age, and how that plays out mm-hmm. into to adulthood, and and some other things that we'd like to discuss with you before we leave. Can you each give us, if we had to be on an island, mm. right? <laughs> that question, we had to be on an island, what book would we, what book would you suggest that for our growth, if, if just for tapping in, what would you suggest? <clears throat> That's a tough one, because I love... And you can name one of your books. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's fine. I've written a couple of books, but um, they're, they're, I think they're more appropriate books um, that that I would recommend. One of the books that I would like to leave here is a book called Successful Schizophrenia. 
Mm. It's it's by uh, it's by uh, Professor Al Siebert. Um, I, I read it a few decades ago, and um, I, I remember when I read it, one of the things that was very striking was how he described, and I researched it, and it's accurate, how Nietzsche considered schizophrenia to be a new evolved human being. Wow. Mm. And the reason, and the way that Al Siebert, um, I think he was a paratrooper or something. He had a very unique experience. Right. You know, like what we talked about. And then he went to some type of University of Michigan or somewhere, and he got a PhD. And it's just fascinating, the context that he creates. And I think he also has a website called Successful schizophrenia.com I have absolutely no relationship with him <laughs> I've never met him but in this context that is the book that I would leave behind and I would say now there are a lot of other books that I could recommend but name one of yours I, I, I think the, the book that perhaps is appropriate um, in this context to some extent is the clarity cleanse I wrote oh, a book the last yes. one is called the clarity cleanse and the, the way that the book is set up is they gives you a specific tool. One of the tools I've shared with you, which is Purged Emotional Writing, 12 Minutes a Day. But there are a couple of other books, one of which is uh, A General Theory of Love. It was written by three psychiatrists uh, from, University of, uh, from UCSF, University of San Francisco. One of, the, one of the psychiatrists is Dr. Amiri. And they, I think a couple of them, or one of them, I know Dr. Amir has transitioned, but it talks about the neuropsychology and the importance of love and how love um, plays a role to really heal the level of trauma that I think to some extent we all have gone through. Mm -hmm. So th these would be, I think, these would be um, the, couple of, uh, the couple of books that I would like to, to mention. That's awesome. Right. I love yeah. that book. I love your book. Super good. Thank you. Okay, um, for for those interested in near death experiences and the uh, the what we learn in, the, in those kinds of experiences, um, Doctor Kenneth Rain's book Lessons from the Light. Okay, yeah. Lessons and from the Light. It's it's just beautiful. It brings in the the, the life review mm -hmm. um, and the things that people have learned through that. I think that is it's a classic. It's been out for a while, and it's a must. It is, really you, know, you know, you wow. know. Yeah. Wow. It's really That's awesome. great. Yeah. 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 Can I just interrupt you? Yes. I'm sorry, because this is a great, I'm glad you mentioned it. Now, I need you to really understand that. Now, this is a, this is a whole new six-hour podcast. You should go on. No, we're we're, we're going to no, keep no, no, you going. No, 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 I just want to mention because of, it's coming forward. Rumi has a poem. Rumi, the mystic poet mm -hmm. back yeah, in the yeah. 12th century, has a poem. It's called Guest House. When you read the translation, in, when you read the actual poem in Farsi, what Rumi is talking about is Rumi is talking about how we get invaded. Like their entities, their energies, their mm -hmm. souls that they can come in. Yes. Now, they, I'm, I'm not talking, listen to me, I'm a, I'm a scientist. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm equivalent to a master's degree in electrochemistry, a microbiologist, a chemist. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a patent attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It's like... That's the alphabet after the name. Right. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I, I'm going to say this because I don't want you to say, oh, this guy is wearing a love button. He's a hippie. <laughs> no. What I'm trying to say is, and the reason, and I'm going to contextualize it in this book, is there are a lot of people... See, it comes back to this. Physical, metaphysical consciousness. 
you can easily, I can give you, re look it up. There are people that they've actually been pronounced dead. Mm. And they want to put them in the grave. And then all of a sudden, the consciousness come in, they come out. Yeah. They're literally pronounced yeah. dead. Listen, you don't hear about it because just because it's not on MSNBC or Fox News or CNN, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. What we're talking about, that there is a movement. There are people that they're diabetic because the energy into the pancreas doesn't work. But working at this level, you can mobilize the energy and the pancreas starts producing insulin. <laughs> and you reverse, reverse it. Wow. No one tells you. This is where the phantom pain comes from. If you amputate a leg, okay, the physical doesn't exist, but why do I still have pain? I wanted to ask you about the placebo effect. If we're healers and you're doing, like, that's a perfect example that's of your here. mind, it, right? That's right here. So the reason that I wanted to come in and very rudely I think we should keep going. I think we should keep going. Yeah. Is because <laughs> once you read the book, and you understand, if you have a loved ones that they're going through a process and they are going to transition, knowing to really look for that channel of light and to move in that direction, mm. it helps them to travel. It helps them to mm. move on instead of getting stuck on this realm. Listen, you got in, I mean, you can go to different places. I, I saw this. You go to Philippines. The guy didn't even go to, to he can't even read and write. And he's doing neurosurgery. Wow. How can he get this skill set? How can John of God be able to do what he's doing? Because he's able to tap and to be a conduit for these energies, these souls that they come in and they can do things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're hurt or they're confused and they can come in and they create a shift physiologically. Mm -hmm. And they can create a shift physiologically part of an organization. I have no, this is my first time meeting her. I have no, but part of the importance of the conversation she's starting as a facilitator is that once you understand that this realm exists, then love, mm. gentility becomes mm. important. Matthew, Mark, John, right? Luke, they all say the same thing. Ask and it shall be given. Right. Knock. And it shall open. Right. So to be able to be in a place that you can communicate and ask, these energies, these souls, they can move and they can create this spaciousness. That's why I thought that this is a great book, you know, to read it and to be familiar with it and how to maneuver. Because the physical realm, it's only, listen, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That's all the color there is? Really? <laughs> That's all the color that most of us can see. Right. And if it's, if it's, right, if it's, be, right, infra, if it's below red, we say it's infrared. What? What? <laughs> I mean, this is the spectrum that you can see. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Right. Do you understand that there is an eternity from here to here? Right. And if it's anything above violet, we say it's ultraviolet. What? Right. It's like, right. are you right. kidding me? So what we're talking about is we're coming together as grounded, mature, sophisticated, intelligent beings. And we're talking about, listen, if something happens, relax, take your own pulse, take a deep breath, contain your little boy, little girl inside, and then look for what is available to you. 
right? I'm sorry. Tell us about the book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great book. I'm just so so thrilled that you that you are doing what you're doing. I mean, it must take a lot of courage to be to be in the medical field with your colleagues, not thinking as a I'm a quack. It's a most no, that you that you are open to all of this. This is a true rarity, and what a blessing to be next to you. Yeah, I think I really, you you represent the future of medicine. Yes. What I see, I I hope absolutely. Satnam. I hope. Absolutely. Really what we do. need to do really is do. like they have a board of advisors. We need to put a board of believers together oh, for you for wonderful. for what you're doing and, and someone like Doctor yes. Abib because the scope of what you're doing it needs it it needs. We need to help you, and I and I say this because of the experience I, I, I had and knowing that there's something out there that could help people, that could, that, that, there's a bridge, right? Yes. And so if you just don't know this much, it's like it, that, then any little bit helps and it gets you a little bit further and then a little bit further. So yes. one of the ideas is, is really what we were doing was to put together an event um, with art and music, bring you to Heart Center and bring awareness to what we're talking about and to raise money. And so that was the idea with, with, with Akon and coming up with the Love and Light Tour. And it, it was something that, like the mud and these things that started a certain way, but they evolved. And there was a lot of things that happened, you know, a lot of shitty things, a lot of good things. It just, you know, part of the whole, yeah. the whole thing. Take the whole, you have to take the whole, the whole. And, and by doing that and just having the experience because when I look back at it, when I was in it, I was, I was tripping, meaning at the event and how it ended, what was going on and then how it ended. It, I've learned to, to really appreciate the good, the bad and the, all of it. It's really, it's really just accepting all of it. And, and that for me, um, changed everything by looking at that website that night because I was just sitting there going like, God, I was fumbling around like, you know, I got to do something, you know, like I'm going to, well, I started feeding homeless people just because it just seemed like the right thing to do. But as soon as that happened, it just opened up. Well, there was another component to it. It was that and then sitting with that doctor. And I was like, wait a minute, we got to be able to go and as human beings, we got to be able to go into a hospital and be safe. Yes. Take our kid in. We got to be safe. They're, that's what they're there for. And if we're going in and what's supposed to be, ha be the most amazing thing that could be happening to a human being is having that union with love, right? Is that connectedness to where we've been talking about. And then to have that and feel so alive and then go, you need to be medicated. We need to, you, you're, you're, no, this is, you're not okay. You, you know, and it will, it will start to make you feel a little crazy because then you don't know who, you, who to trust, right? So there's a lot of people out there I feel that start having these experiences, and then when you're told you're crazy, you're told you're crazy, you'll start to create a crazy world for yourself. Sure. Yes. Because you separate yeah. yourself from everybody else because you don't trust anybody. So now you've built up this crazy place you live in, and now you're in there. And people don't realize you have to deconstruct this crazy place and come back, yeah. but it's been created by the person because he feels unsafe. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what mental illness is. Yeah. You know, and so when you open up and you look at somebody, you look them at their eyes. I talked about his eyes earlier because I knew I was like, ah, 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 and I looked at him. I went, whoa! It stopped me in my tracks yeah. because my soul knew that he cared. 
I could have been going all crazy, but as soon as his eyes looked at me, it stopped me, and I was like, oh. And he looked straight at, like, through me. And I was like, I just stopped. And then I knew, I was like, oh, then there was a kind of like this warm, kind of like, I felt safe. And I hadn't had that feeling. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's so, what a blessing that you, that you found, Dr. Habib, and you found, you know, you. it was like, <laughs> no accidents in the universe again, you know, that, that you were led to that for mm -hmm. a reason. And in the look at the blessings that you're doing here with your podcast and, and beyond. I mean, there's yeah. so much more we could talk about for sure. Oh, we will. Well. I want to hear more. I'm so I'm. Experience. I want to thank both you guys. Yeah. Like seriously, I'm not and Kane. Oh my God. Really, and and Manny and 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 Dave. Our this, staff. This. Today, and Raul, really. Raul. 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 I'm going to call Raul and send him this link. <laughs> I will send you this link, Raul. But the whole, the whole experience of today, like just even just now as we're closing mm. out, I got emotional. Just, it just, like it was almost like a, like a quick flash of what all just happened. I was like, mm. wow, like mm. how lucky we were. You, the, the work you're doing, there are. A million other Joey's out there. Or more. Yes. And, and more. How many people right? come to your office every day? They're going through this. They're yes. going like, I'm oh, tripping yeah. or a soccer mom. Yes. That's yeah. probably trying to drink herself out of it. That's why right then and there, I called and I said, I, we need to have this conversation. Yeah. We need to really feed that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the work you're doing it's to, to put a million plus more Joey's out there is yeah. what this world needs. And Dr. Habib the work you do in the field, just absolutely transforming how we look at medicine and how we look away from, you know, I, I know there's a, there's a need for certain pharmaceuticals, but the way you are leading us away from, from medicating ourselves to numbness into looking into ourselves mm -hmm. and our connection with God and the universe mm -hmm. is so beautiful. We honor you. We thank you for being here. Yeah, you, let me, I know I'm trying to leave, but I have some a couple more <laughs> questions. How do you, you help, like I see, like, like that's why I think I was tripping today, because I know how many people need you, straight up. And that, that was going through my head, and seeing, I was watching, I was seeing the mud, looking at everything, I was like, oh no, like how, I could just think, and just think what's going on TV today. So they're like, shit was going down. That's why I said, there's, right. a lot of, there's like probably a line at your office of people so yeah, how do you like your wife enjoy each other when you know you're working like it's all service really everything that you're yeah. doing? Yeah, I you know I I appreciate your acknowledgement. I, I really appreciate that. So I I have throughout my schedule I have what I refer to as hold H O L D hour of life divine, and and I don't I leave it empty. Mm. You know, as, as I guess I want to be of service, but I need spaciousness to be able to co-create with spirit. Mm. So I don't see getting stuck in the mud as a terrible thing. I see it as, whoa, whoa, spirit just gave me this because something really gnarly is about to happen. So then I create this space for myself. And that's really the message that I think all of us are leaving that when something happens and we get interrupted and we get plucked from the daily mundane routine of life is not because we're bad 
or we missed the dart or we did something wrong. It's because this is time to up-level our mm. game. Yeah. Sometimes this occurs by going into penitentiary. Sometimes that occurs by having a medical diagnosis or going through the process or going through a divorce or going through an interruption. And then if, if you just stay with it, you move through. You go through the, the dissolution of the cocoon period and then you come out as a new butterfly having wings and, and a set of things that you can see infrared. You can see ultraviolet, even though other people are like, what are you talking about? Because they think that all you can, you should be able to see is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Wow. But you can Amazing. develop your capacity to be able yeah. to develop all that. Yeah. That's really what the message is. And, um, you know, on behalf of both of us, we applaud you for having gone through what you've gone through and to pull in the team that you have and to be able to start this conversation that a person that's going through what whatever it is that they're going through, they may listen to this, hear this, they get touched, they get inspired, that there is something out there, that there is an infrared and ultraviolet, <laughs> and they look for it. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. look for it. The takeaway is really breakthroughs and less breakdowns. You know, because really what we're doing, what you said, is trying to get through something and open up to the other side. But when you're in that darkness, it's hard to see it because yeah. you're not there yet. And then when you get there, it's a lot easier because you could look back and go, wow, okay, yes. and learn from those. And really, that's what that was today, is going back, being in it, looking back, and then learning from the experience and how beautiful it was. And for you all out there that may be going through that, just know you have a couple examples here that have pushed through that other side to show you. So we are examples of what is possible. I'm working every day to keep going. I'm 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 fucked up, but I love myself. <laughs> I mean, like and everybody's. I mean, like you know what? I, it it leaves me so much more to keep like working toward better things. You know, as soon as I started to like not feel that I was in control of everything around me, because I thought I, you know what I mean? Because really with the I just felt that was the world I lived in. And as soon as I figured out I was in control of nothing, it all started to kind of like go, okay, and got easier because I didn't blame or do anything. It was just part of mm. the universal law of life right. happening and just let it happen. Yeah. So you have absolute examples of what is possible. And if you find yourself in those states, in those places that Joey found himself and that I found myself, there are people out there for you. There are people out there that are there to support you as you see. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't get any better. So thank you guys. Be love. Yeah. Thank uh, you guys so Be love and love yourself. This was honestly such a great day. I mean, I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I keep look, I'm talking to you guys and it looks like, but I keep looking down and this is what I keep seeing. So I keep, <laughs> I keep thinking, I'm just going to, so I'm giggling in my head. I'm going through the whole thing, but what an amazing time and what an amazing, I, this was great. So thank you, Satnam. Thank you guys so much for showing up. Satnam. My pleasure. Satnam. Wow. Don't worry, guys. We'll bring them back. We'll bring thank them back. Thank you guys back. for joining us. The Space Between. We are out. Thank you. God bless. God bless.